This episode of Wanderlust Off The Page is brought to you by Siwi, Europe's largest photo company with over 50 years of experience in photo services and online printing. Siwi delivers millions of personalized photo products each year, including the award-winning Siwi Photo Book. The brand has over 9,000 five-star reviews and can help you to relive your travel memories. As well as the photo book, you can create wall art, jigsaws, calendars, and much more with Siwi. To learn more and to receive an exclusive 25% discount on all Siwi products when you spend £30, visit siwi.co.uk forward slash wanderlust. That's c-e-w-e.co.uk forward slash wanderlust. T's and C's apply. Now, let's get on with the show. everyone and welcome to Wanderlust Off The Page, a travel podcast designed to help you discover the most fulfilling travel experiences on the planet. From culture and history to nature and wildlife, we're going to be taking you behind the scenes of the magazine to go deeper into our favourite destinations and meet the travel writers, experts and personalities who will bring our stories to life. My name is Lynn Hughes, the founding editor of Wanderlust. And I'm Rosie Fitzgerald, the special features editor at Wanderlust. Now, if you're new to Wanderlust, here's what you need to know. Wanderlust is the UK's leading independent travel magazine, which has been taking the road less travel since 1993. We've won numerous awards along the way, and to this day, we continue to inspire our audience of curious travellers with each issue of our magazine, as well as our website. Both of these are just filled with off-the-beaten-track experiences and some of the world's most exciting destinations, both near and far. Responsible, conscious and sustainable travel is always at the very heart of everything that we cover. So do be sure to check us out by heading to wanderlustmagazine.com or become a Wanderlust Club member and join our community of serious travellers for just £35 a year. That's about 50 bucks. This will get you six beautiful collectible issues, exclusive member-only competitions and events, access to our entire online archive back to 2010, plus heaps of other benefits. And of course, be sure to hit that subscribe button on the Wanderlust Off The Page podcast as well. For this episode, we'll be going on a journey down the Mississippi River and taking us there today will be travel writer Lynn Horton, who will be in conversation with Aaron Miller. Now, lovely Lynn is a brilliant travel writer. She was born in the Canadian Rockies, grew up on the West Coast, and throughout her career as an adventure travel writer and photographer, the USA is a piece that Lynn keeps returning to time and time again. So what a treat that we get to hear from the expert herself about her time exploring the Mississippi River. And it really does sound like it was an extraordinary trip. Uh, Being the adventurer that she is, Lynn ditched the well-known paddle steamer cruises and took a greener and much more intimate journey down the river um, and actually travelled by canoe. And so over to Lynn and Aaron to hear how she got on. The elder sits in her cedar canoe at the front, singing her paddle song, praying for us all. The weary paddler resting is still ballast, and there is always a time when the crew needs a joke, some remark, or even silence to keep going. Sleep came easily after a day of paddling on the Mississippi, 
The evening accompaniment of cicadas and tree frogs providing an amphibian chorus, a lullaby that helped me drift off. Already smitten by the river's wild beauty and vast reach, I sensed the special energy that came from being on swirling water among edies, backwaters and bayous, the breeze ruffling my hair. But make no mistake, although the rhythm and repetition of paddling is intoxicating, it is also exhausting. An unexpected twist of nature had taken place earlier that day when three of us went exploring. After bringing the canoe alongside a sandbar and up on the beach, we set off walking, weaving a path through cottonwood, black willow, and loblolly pines. On the other side of the trees was a descent towards a pond. On the way down, we were admiring huge mussel shells when our river guide, John, spotted and seized a red-eared slider turtle. Intent on getting a closer look, I stumbled along a shallow channel towards him and this remarkable specimen. Within moments, moist, thick clay mixed with silt had grabbed hold and sucked me down up to my ankles. It was quick mud. Embarrassingly, I was only extracted from it with a considerable amount of effort from my fellow explorers. I imagine the turtle enjoyed seeing me struggle as he made his getaway. Lynn, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my God, I can't wait to hear more about that story. As someone that's been stuck in mud before, I know how tricky that is. <laughs> but first, let's dig into this a little bit deeper. What inspired you to write about the Mississippi? I've been on the river before, and it was really traditional. We went to see antebellum mansions and plantations and Civil War sites various things like that. Lots of music, because of course, this is where the Delta Blues originated, and that's probably my biggest interest in the area. But they had a big GPS in the, um, in the riverboat. This is a steamboat, a paddle steamer. And the GPS picked up virtually nothing, absolutely nothing, but this was further up the river, nowhere near New Orleans, which there's quite a lot of industry and commercial activity in that area. So what interests me was much further north as you get up much further into Mississippi. It's vast, it's wilderness, and I think it's a fascinating area. It is. And there's nothing like that feeling of being like just completely remote and the beautiful kind of dark skies. And, you know, I love that image of just the GPS just going, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you are. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful feeling, I always think. Um, first time you saw it on a paddle steamer. What was the plan? How are you seeing it this time around? So this time around, someone had uh, talked to me about, they're called the Quapa Canoe Outfitters. and the person who runs Quapa, his name is John, he is famous on the river. He's famous for taking people out that want to have that 
true wilderness experience. It's very rugged. It's very rustic. It's really off-piste. I was actually terrified. Actually, the idea of going in a canoe and paddling on the river, because you are never going to get away from the fact that it is a commercial entity. So, they have tugboats that push these huge, long, they're almost like container vessels, more of a smaller version of what you see at sea. And they go up and down the river, but it's just a little bit daunting if you're, you know, three little people, four little people on a tiny canoe paddling away. You know, you just make sure you don't get anywhere near those. They're real behemoths is what I would say. But it must have been a really unique way to see the river too, right? Like most people don't get that kind of intimate connection with it and that feeling of silently going through it. That must have felt amazing. It really did. And I think that um, it's almost hard to describe because the river is so huge. It's just remarkable. But wildlife, there's Louisiana black bear. There's all these species of turtle. We saw otter when we went off in what's called an oxbow, which is almost like a lake. It's also a huge migratory path for birds. I could have spent probably months on the river. I I think, though, the camping part of it, (laughs) which is very rustic, there's literally no facilities and you have to pack in and pack out every time you're in a new camping spot. So, that part would maybe hold me back from wanting to go out for, say, a month and you get very muddy. I bet you do. And, you know, the Mississippi itself is almost this kind of mythical river. It's like this quintessential American river. It's featured in literature so many times. It has this fascinating history. Could you tell us a little bit about that history of the Mississippi and perhaps, you know, why does it have that kind of mythical status of this great American river? Well, I think it's everything to do with America is superlatives. The Mississippi is one of the largest rivers in the world. Um, But I personally think a lot of the mythology comes from the literature, which many people are familiar with, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. I have also found out that William Faulkner wrote huge amounts of literature about the river. um, And one that's especially important was called Big Woods. And it takes us also back to a a period of time that was so different than now. And I imagine, yeah, you can still feel that in parts of the Mississippi. And you know, by the way, like, since reading Huck Finn as a kid, I have always wanted to do what you did, but that's the kind of romantic version of that. So I'm very jealous. But, you know, you talked about some of the present day, like in parts you're surrounded by tugboats. And of course, it's, there's a huge amount of commerce. But let's go back even further. Like, you know, what's that deeper history of the Mississippi? I think for me personally, it is the commerce and it's a communicator. The river was this huge communicator of ideas. And if I just point out one thing specifically, it would be music. Because in New Orleans, this is where jazz developed. It's a fascinating story because it's African music blended with military music, probably British. They think it was mainly British. And those instruments somehow got in the hands of different people who would have a completely different way of playing those particular instruments. There were specific banjos that would have come from West Africa, other rhythm instruments that also came from that area. All of this kind of melded together, and then it moved up the river. 
So when you talk about the Delta Blues, you get to places like Clarksdale, Memphis, Helena, Arkansas. You keep going up. By the time you get to Chicago, all that style of music has changed. It's become more electronic, less acoustic, a more of a city vibe, if you will. So a lot more energy. And I just think that's fascinating. Just the idea of things changing as they move up the river. I, I just think it's remarkable. I love that idea of the river as a communicator. I think that's such a great way to put it. And this idea of, you know, music floating up the river and kind of changing and developing all these great styles. And I know that one of the places that you stopped with that in mind was Muddy Waters, who was a great Delta Blues musician. That's right. But you had your own Muddy Waters experience, which you read to us, and I'm dying to hear more about it. So what on earth happened and what is Quick Mud? It is a bit like quicksand. It turns into like concrete. I don't know the physics of it. I'm not sure why that happens. But I literally was just walking and it was just, it looked for all intents and purposes like a little narrow stream. I just couldn't quite believe it. I literally was about a foot away from um, our river guide and then I just couldn't move. I was literally (laughs) stuck. It was incredibly difficult to get out, and that was only up to my ankles. So if you can imagine any higher than that, and there were two people helping me, it's a little scary. Well, I'm glad you managed to get out, and it's a good story that you brought back with you. And we're going to hear another part of the story now. And by the way, Lynn, I just absolutely love your descriptions of the Mississippi. I think it's absolutely beautiful. You're a wonderful writer. And we're going to hear another part of your adventure right now. Today was a short paddling day and soon time for our contingent to set up camp. As we pulled up and disembarked on Island 64, a river island fringed by a golden sand beach, a flock of white pelicans flew in synchronized perfection overhead. With the day waning, Mark River Peoples, our other river guide, collected wood to build a campfire, and soon coffee was brewing. It wasn't long after daybreak that I was dimly aware of the crackling fire. Then, the soft strumming of a guitar and singing wafted into my consciousness. Soon, rubbing the sleep from my eyes, I was up and grabbing the first cup of coffee. Now, one of the best things about travel is that so often the memories you create last for a lifetime, don't they? And one of the best things about our sponsor, Siwi, is that they can help us to relive those special memories and keep them all in one place in a beautiful photo book for us to look back on time and time again. So have you got any favourite travel albums, Lynn, or photo books? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting somewhere where I've got photo albums next to me from travels from over the years, including exploring New Zealand from north to south and face-to-face encounters with gorillas sitting there. Oh, wow. It really brings it back that there's nothing like them, really, you know, particularly when you look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years later. And so actually, my, one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to make photo books of some of the more memorable recent travels as well, you know, those over the last few years, because it really does make you live those experiences again, doesn't it? 
It really does. And, you know, I love nothing more than when I go home to see my parents, just to look through those old travel albums from when we were children and having a look back at those memories. And it, it really just helps to bring those memories back and make them really fresh again, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And of course, a photo book makes a great present for a loved one as well. Yes, definitely. And I think now, especially when we have, you know, social media, it's so easy just to flick through them all online. But it really isn't the same as having that really nice experience of looking through those pre- printed versions and and holding those memories in your hand it just makes it so much more special so whichever travel memories you would like to savor whether it's a recent trip or your first ever adventure seaweed can help and a seaweed photo book makes for the perfect keepsake so be sure to head over to their website and make the most of their exclusive offer and save 25% on all seaweed products when you spend £30. For all the details and for full T's and C's, go to seaweed.co.uk forward slash wanderlust. That's C-E-W-E forward slash wanderlust. Right, now let's get back to the show. You know, the camping might have been primitive, but it also sounds pretty idyllic. I love that image of just listening to the guitars around the campfire. And the evening sounded really special as well. You had a really particularly special moment one night when you got out of the tent in the middle of the night. Could you describe that for us? It was amazing because as I crawled out of the tent, there was a harvest moon. I don't know if I've ever seen a harvest moon that this, it wasn't a full moon, it was a crescent, but it was the color. It was literally orange. And it was reflected on the river so perfectly. I, I was just astonished. I just will never forget how magical that was. It was an amazing scene. Tell us a little bit more about the days. Like you're on the river. What does it feel like? And, you know, how was the paddling? Was it hard? But what are some of the other things you saw and did? So the paddling, I'm really glad you asked that question because all of the uh, canoes that Quapa outfitters, they actually make all their canoes and they're hand, a lot of them are hand carved. And your, your oar on the end um, is shaped like a hand, which makes it really comfortable to hold. But you had to do your own rhythm and occasionally you have to just take that oar up from the water and, and rest for a moment. And sometimes you might do that because you see something interesting. You might see a fish jumping out of the water. You spot an otter. When you're in an oxbow, which is, it's a channel that basically eventually becomes more like a lake. And in those situations, the water is really still, and that's fantastic. I don't know, there's something about just even seeing the trees because you can see the waterline because it's just the quiet, the breeze you get on the river is actually fantastic because it, it helps with staying cool. But um, yeah, the I think it's the quiet that is incredible. It's really about just observing. And there's lots of things you just, you wouldn't expect to see. You'll see deer. I love seeing things like turtles and things that are very much in a, would normally be in a tropical environment. It's just really fascinating. There is a beautiful quote, actually, that appears in the magazine from John, your guide. I'll just read it really quickly. The human psyche blossoms on the river. You become reconnected to basic patterns and color, combinations that govern the universe. Your spirit soars. Your imagination is opened. I absolutely love that. That's from John Rusky, your guide. Yes. 
What does that mean to you? And can you resonate with those ideas? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it's because it's not just nature. It's like nature on a scale that is almost difficult to describe. It's the scope and the magnitude and the, the vastness that really it gets to you and I somehow you blossom. It's almost like you feel like this is how we're meant to live. This is how we're meant to be living. I just, I so envy people that, um, you know, lived in those days. If you think that even in the 1930s, it was impenetrable. Yes, it has changed. A lot of it is climate change. There's a lot of things going on that are not fantastic. And you will also learn about those things, especially from somebody like John Rusky, who is very much an environmentalist, very much into ecology. And yes, it's about the human experience of being on the river, but also how we need to take care of the environment and how we need to be thinking about how, you know, even things going on in the Gulf of Mexico impact the river. And things going on in Chicago and in the big cities, St. Louis, that are along the river, and and pollutants from agriculture. All of these things are having an impact, and all of that is in your mind as well, because John doesn't let you forget that for certain. <laughs> Quite right. It's good. It's a great point. And the canoe trip was obviously a highlight. There's there's no doubt about that. But when you finish the, the that part of the journey, you know, you still had lots to explore. And we're gonna hear about some of that right now. The Cypress Swamp is full of trees able to survive in completely unique conditions. The deciduous trees here, red maple and oak were already taking on the golden sheen of autumn while the swamp black gum had turned red, orange, and purple. It's amazing seeing these formidable trees reflected in the water in all their colorful glory. A trail leads around towards an even denser woodland, but always following the water's edge. The swamp might have been deeper here as cattails and common reeds were thriving. There were a few wildflowers, several wild orchids, and on slightly drier ground were clusters of mushrooms in taupe, ochre, yellow, and orange shades. Spectacularly, the knees of bald cypress trees' roots protruded above the surface of the water. This adaptation allows the tree to breathe and gives them an anthropomorphic quality. A tiny bridge led towards a shady bit of the swamp, shielding me from the sun. Then I made my first animal sighting. It was a baby red and black alligator slithering along and across the surface. When resting, it appeared as a motionless piece of bark. Ethereal dragonflies flitted about as if watching in approval. That's such a beautiful passage. Thank you for reading that. 
You know, it's interesting. I think swamps get a bad rep, don't they? A lot of people have a, an impression of a swamp as this kind of stagnant place. But you describe that in a really beautiful way. All ecosystems are, are beautiful in their own way, if you look close enough, I always think. Even swamps. And that was one part of your journey. But tell me about like the broader journey. So you've come out of the canoe and you pick up an RV. And, and what's the plan? Where do you go? So we loaded up our RV and we head off because we had gotten onto the river in an area called Clarksdale. And I should mention a bit about Clarksdale because near where we boarded our canoes is a plantation where a very famous musician lived, Muddy Waters. They said that literally as a little child, he used to muddy the water. He'd play with water with his stick. <laughs> so, you know, but the fact that he's on the Mississippi and called Muddy Waters, brilliant, fantastic museum. And they have his entire cabin in a museum in Clarksdale, the Delta Blues Museum. So we had to, of course, go and see the Delta Blues Museum, which honors all of these people. I think it's Robert Johnson was one of the really early artists. And there's a story about him at Fable that he met the devil at the, <laughs> at at the, the intersection crossroads. of Highway 69. Oh, and oh, yeah. that's why he <laughs> sold his soul to the devil so that he could learn to, you know, play guitar the way he played guitar. We also visited Indianola, which is the location of the B.B. King Museum. It was just lovely to kind of be in that area, see the guitars, and that was fantastic. So, of course, we went to the swamp, as I've been talking about. And at the point where we were visiting the swamp, we hooked up with something called the Natchez Trace Parkway. And the trace, which means trail, it's incredible. It starts in Natchez, as you might imagine, which was quite a bit further south, and goes all the way up in Nashville. And it's meant for people to go slowly along. It follows the trace, which they think is absolutely thousands and thousands of years old. The animals, and we could be talking about going all the way back to woolly mammoth and certainly bison, use this trace or trail to maneuver through, because it was slightly higher ground, and they used it to maneuver through areas that were murky and marshy and swampy. And then eventually, the Indian tribes, the tribal people, were also using this trace because, of course, they're following the bison. They start using the trail. Then the Europeans arrive and they're using the trail. And there was even a whole group of people. They were called Cane Tucks. I'm not sure where that name comes from. They were mainly Europeans who lived along the river. They would build a raft, put their goods on the raft, float down to New Orleans, sell their goods, and then walk back via the trace. It's a really, really fantastic thing to drive along. And probably every half of a mile is a reference to something that's happened historically. It might be civil war, might be revolutionary. Indian burial mounds, which, I mean, I had never seen anything quite like that. I didn't know they existed. There are other places where they have Indian artifacts. The camping is free. You just pull up in your RV and if there's a space, you just use it or pitch a tent. 
I love that. It sounds amazing. I'm definitely would love to do that one day. It, I love the Deep South anyway. It's like there does seem just to be history and like just wonderful people and wildlife and of course food. And you mentioned the music, which I could just imagine you in your RV blasting some <laughs> Delta Blues and Muddy Wars as you cruise along the park, the parkway. But you also had a personal connection to this area, which you mentioned in the article and, and kind of makes the whole trip even more special. Well, my son from my first marriage is actually part um, Choctaw. So the Choctaws and the Chickasaw were the two main tribes in Mississippi. The Cherokee were in North Carolina. There were all these tribal peoples throughout the South in the 19th century. Andrew Jackson was convinced by a lot of people that saw the value of this land because of course it was very the soil was amazing this rich soil the richness came from the flooding and the silt and and the the way that that would have spread around so this land was very desirable and the colonists basically decided that they wanted the land so andrew jackson it was called the indian removal act and set up a whole program and they basically Uh, through a series of treaties that were basically a ploy, they took the land. And these people were all evicted and sent to what was then the frontier of Oklahoma. And it's called the Trail of Tears. And it's very poignant, a very important part of history that gets kind of overshadowed by the Civil War. But for me, it was important. Uh, I think for any people that have any connection with the tribal people of the U.S. and particularly the Southeast, it was very tragic that these people not only lost their land, not only were evicted, but if if you stayed behind, you would not have been treated well. It's a rather astonishing part of history that you will see along the trace. They have huge commemorative placards so that you can read about what actually took place. And that was the Indian Act of 1830. They now feel, of course, that it was completely unconstitutional. Yeah, it's such a sad story. And of course, it must have been especially poignant for you, given your, your personal history. But there's other sad stories in, in that part of the world, too. And I mean, it's important to remember them and to tell those stories. But I can remember being in that kind of area and just passing these enormous plantations, you know, everywhere mm. you go. Did you see some of that on the drive as well? Oh, you do. Absolutely. The cotton plantations are still there. Of course, now there are no people picking the cotton anymore, but my son's great-grandmother, whose name was Helen, picked cotton. She was a sharecropper, and we know a little bit about it now because of her. She has passed away, but um, we learned quite a lot about what that life was like, and it was not easy at all. And of course, these people were um, indentured. They were enslaved. Even sharecroppers, I think, basically made enough to survive. And I don't think you can see these vast plantations without remembering that part of history, because it's not that long ago. You know, we're talking, you know, maybe a little over 120 years ago, you still had people picking cotton. It's It was still done manually, and it was very difficult work, very difficult work. Mm. Yeah, and it's important to remember that story and, of course, the story of the Native Americans, too, both both sad stories. But let's finish on a brighter note because it was an incredible trip and there's so much beauty on, on the parkway and that whole area. Where did you end the trip? Like, what was your final destination? Our final destination was actually Nashville. 
we did travel a huge part of the of the Natchez Parkway, starting down in Canton, Mississippi, and then going all the way up to Nashville. I think it was about 500 miles. So that was a long, a long, long journey, but but fantastic. But I think that for me, the real amazing part of it was. Being on the river, I had been on the river before. Of course, I had because I'd done this steamboat experience. But I think that, yeah, there was something about just feeling at one with nature that I didn't have an artificial engine. I had to use my arms as the motor and my eyes as the radar. And I think that for me was probably the highlight of the trip. But having said that, there's so much to see. You know, if you go through Mississippi, You've got the amazing plantations, which are still beautiful to to look at. And there's swamp areas. The Pearl River comes up through Mississippi. There's amazing cities on the Mississippi. (laughs) Natchez as a town, fantastic place to visit. So I just think there's so much there. The river, that's the highlight. That was the highlight for me. I, I, I can't overemphasize that. But also all the other places. Yeah, it's a really quite quite incredible place quite incredible state Mm. i really really was surprised at how much i enjoyed it yeah if you haven't been to the deep south before it it is an incredible part of america and unlike anywhere else really in america it's just a a little world into itself you know from the food and the music and the people you know the wildlife the landscapes it's all so special and so unique so i think that's a wonderful place to end it the river was the highlight watch the quick mud uh don't get stuck in the quick mud and thank you so much lynn if you want to hear any of lynn's tips on how to do this for yourself or find out more information or read her wonderful article and see some of those beautiful photographs you can go to wanderlust.co.uk and and search up uh, lynn's beautiful article lynn houghton on the mississippi lynn where can people connect with you my Instagram and Twitter handles are basically Roaming Scribe. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Instagram, I'm Roaming Scribe. Uh, Twitter, I'm Roaming underscore Scribe. And my website is The Roaming Scribe. I love it, it, The Roaming Scribe. That's a great name. <laughs> well, thank you, Roaming Scribe. It's been great and wonderful to talk to you. And uh, I hope to have you back on the show soon. Thank you. Well, thank you to Lynn and Aaron for that. And uh, yeah, I think that will inspire us all to take a canoe down the Mississippi. Oh, definitely. It sounded like quite the adventure. So for more stories like that, make sure you do hit the subscribe button to the Wanderlust Off The Page podcast. And remember to check out the Wanderlust website at wanderlustmagazine.com and do look at taking out a membership to Wanderlust Magazine. Well, that just about wraps up our time here today. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to hit that follow button and subscribe wherever you get your shows. Please also come back for more. We have lots of incredible stories coming up and we just can't wait to share them with you. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Cheers. This episode of Wanderlust Off The Page is brought to you by Siwi, Europe's largest photo company with over 50 years of experience in photo services and online printing. Siwi delivers millions of personalised photo products each year, including the award-winning Siwi Photo Book. 
The brand has over 9,000 five-star reviews and can help you to relive your travel memories. As well as the photo book, you can create wall art, jigsaws, calendars, and much more with Siwi. To learn more and to receive an exclusive 25% discount on all Siwi products when you spend £30, visit siwi.co.uk forward slash wanderlust. That's C-E-W-E.co.uk forward slash wanderlust. T's and C's apply. Wanderlust Off The Page was presented by Lynn Hughes and Rosie Fitzgerald. The interviewer was Aaron Miller and the show was produced by Armchair Productions, the audio experts for the travel industry. Thank you.